me in turning to the Old Testament book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 3 is where we'll be today, and that's where the words came from a moment ago. Jeremiah chapter 3. I'm going to begin today with two stories in one thought. The first story, I was a freshman in college years ago working for a drywall company, and we were doing a job in a large custom home, and somehow in the course of doing that job, a bird made its way into the house. Now, the windows had been installed, and there was a huge glass window at one end of the house, and and as the bird made its way in, it looked at that window and thought, surely that's the way out of here. I can see outside from, from there. And, and the bird flew a million miles an hour right into that window. And then when it hit the window, it fell to the ground like a ton of bricks. And it was dazed. And it just kind of sat there. And I thought, you know, I'll walk over there and pick up this bird and see if he's okay. And if, if he is, I'll just take this bird to the door and let him go. And, and uh, he'll be happy about that. And I'll feel good about helping a bird. It's always fun to help birds. And so I thought, this is how it'll be. And I walked over there. And apparently, I don't look like something that would be helpful to a bird, okay? He kind of revived a little bit and saw me coming, decided he didn't want to have anything to do with me, and flew a million miles the other direction. That bird flew all around the house, literally banging in the walls. He about half beat himself to death before he did finally find a way to get out of there. Story number two, it was a year ago, the last game of my daughter Jessica's basketball season. She was playing San Pasquale in the playoffs, and it was a great game, back and forth, back and forth, and in the end, the opposing team pulled it out. They won the game. Well, the coach pulled the players together and said whatever it is coaches say, and coaches always know what to say, don't they? God bless coaches. And the coach said a few things, and When they were let out of their meeting after a very disappointing loss, I was at the other end of the gym, and my daughter Jessica ran over. She wanted a hug. That's the second story. Here's the thought. Did you know that there are very different ways that we can respond to pain? I really did want to help that bird, but it ran from me. And I really did want to comfort my daughter, and thankfully she ran to me. And I think that's a very great analogy that we can apply to our spiritual lives. Times when we'll need the healing touch of God, they're they're going to come to all of our lives. We're in the midst of a study, you know, entitled I Am. We've learned some great truths about God. We've discovered that He is our sufficiency. He is our provider, our deliverer. And today we're going to learn that God is our healer. Now, maybe you're excited at the thought of this or you're afraid of what it is I might do today. If you think I'm going to try and heal someone right here in the service, you've got it all wrong, okay? Put that fear to bed right away. Uh, I, I don't believe God's working in that way in our world today. God is the healer, and God can heal anybody he wants to, but I'm not. So it would be pretty foolish of me to say, anyone up here, uh, come up here, I'm going to take care of this today. No, that's God's business, and not mine. But I am glad to share with you that we serve a God that can heal anybody from any malady they face. God is a powerful, powerful God. And we always do better in life when we learn to run to him. When we're hurting instead of running from him. Now, we had this text before us a moment ago. We considered its words, but I I will ask you to let your attention be drawn to Jeremiah chapter three and verse 22. The Bible says, return ye backsliding children and I will heal your backslidings. I want you to take note of those three words there. I will heal. Heal. That's what God has to say. I'll heal. 
Our Father, thank you that we have your word on something so important as the need for healing. Help us today. I pray that each person listening would be blessed and helped through this study. Lord, help me. Use me as a vessel. Work through me. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. The text we considered a moment ago is a text that came during a tremendous time of hurting in the nation of Israel's history. It was a time where the prophet of Jeremiah was ministering. We see this book of the Bible as Jeremiah, and of course, this is an occasion of time when when he was trying to be a faithful prophet for the Lord. Now, prophets are different than preachers in our day. Prophets would foretell the word of God. In other words, God would speak to prophets. He'd tell the prophets, here's what I want the people to hear. And then prophets would go out and just tell people, this is what God said. Today, preachers don't foretell the truth of God. We foretell it. In other words, God's already recorded it all in the Bible. So today, we study the Bible. There's no new revelation from God today. It was a different day when the prophets ministered. And so Jeremiah's job as a prophet was to receive from God, to take the truths he received, and share it with the people. And this was a day and age when, although he was a faithful prophet, the people had drifted from their faithfulness to God. And Jeremiah was brokenhearted because he knew how great things had been for his nation. And he knew how great things could be for his nation. But his nation made a decision to uh, remove those principles upon which they were founded to drift away from their closeness with God. And being a patriotic uh, Israelite, his heart was broken. So much so, we often call Jeremiah the weeping prophet. It grieved him to see the demise of his once great nation. To put this text in context, about 300 years before the passage we're studying, the nation of Israel divided into a northern and and a southern nation. The northern nation retained the name Israel, so the word Israel can refer to the whole entity as a a collection, a a collective, but specifically the northern part of of Israel became known just as Israel. The southern part was called Judah. Their capital was Jerusalem. That was about 300 years before this text. About 100 years before this text, we know that the northern kingdom was conquered by the Assyrians. And so Jeremiah's lot in life, his calling in life, was to preach to the southern kingdom, the the, the nation of Judah, and tell them, listen, you saw what happened to your brothers in the north. That's going to happen to you, and worse, if you don't come to God, if you don't repent of, of the error of your ways. Being a leader, specifically a teacher of truth, is many times a difficult task. Jeremiah was faithful to say what God wanted him to say, but the people of the day just didn't want to hear it. And if you're a leader, it implies you're going somewhere. And if you're you're moving, that implies that change is coming. And I have found that I many times am averse to change. And I found that as a leader, many times people are adverse to change. And these people had hundreds of years now ingrained into their national psyche that they did not want to walk closely with God. They did not want to be a a friend of God, a follower of God. And and Jeremiah's calling was to bring change to the people of God. I've been asked, how many Christians does it take to change a light bulb? And the reply is, change? Who said anything about changing anything? That's kind of the way we are, you know. And yet Jeremiah was called to lead the people to change. None of us like change. 
I have discovered also, I think for the majority of people, we like change less and less the longer and longer we live. And so Jeremiah here is sharing with the people that a change must come. The reality of their plight was beginning to set in. And God shared with them some truths of how healing could emerge in their lives. As we look through the text today, the first element we're going to see here is the sequence of hurting. I'd, I'd ask you please to go with me to verse 20. The Bible says, Surely as a wife treacherously departeth from her husband, so have ye dealt treacherously with me, O house of Israel, saith the Lord. You see, the Lord made it clear that, that Jeremiah was there to tell the people that they had departed from him. He, he used an analogy that people could identify with, that people could relate with. Jeremiah said, I want you to know the way you've treated God, it would be very similar to a wife who abandons her husband to enter into a, 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 an affair with another man. The hurt, the anxiety, the, the difficulty, that has all been brought into your life because you've walked away from God. In fact, Jeremiah uses an interesting word in verse 22 to refer to what these people had done. He said that they were backsliding. They were moving away from God, not drawing near to God. In Jeremiah 17 and verse 5, the Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. What did Jeremiah say? He said, man, you're cursed if you put your confidence in, in yourself or in others. And, and don't ever be that one that departs from God. Now, I'm not suggesting today that the faithful follower of Christ will miss out on pain in life. Pain is a part of life. Pain is something through which everybody will go. But I am saying today, please hear me, that the pain you experience while following God is very different than the pain you experience while walking away from God. I'm saying today that the pain from remorse and regret from knowing that we've willfully entered into something that's wrong, that pain is very different than the pain that comes in the process of following closely with God and different things come into our lives. And so everybody experiences pain, but, but there is a different type of, of pain. I, I like the story of the man that was taking a tour of a mental hospital as he was walking through. He looked in one room, there was pads on all the walls. The man was sitting on the floor, just kind of hitting his head against the wall like that. And, and the man could be heard saying, Linda, Linda, Linda. He's just doing that over and over and over. And the man asked the guy who was giving him the tour, what, what happened here? He said, well, that man fell in love with a lady. Her name was Linda. And, and she jilted him, and his heart was broken and led to kind of a little fracture in his mind and lost touch with reality. And he just all day hits his head against the wall saying, Linda, Linda. Man thought, wow, that's, that's sad. They walked to the next room, and the man looked in. That room was also padded. Another guy sitting on the floor banging his head against the wall, and he could hear that man too, and that man was saying, Linda, Linda, Linda. He said, I, I don't understand. What, what's this guy's problem? He said, that's the guy that ended up with Linda, okay? <laughs> so you got to be careful in life, those things you want. There, there's a lot of different types of pain, and the impact can, can be different. You see, there are a lot of elements in our world that would say, listen, when it comes to healing of the heart or healing in your life, uh, we can bring you promise uh, of great happiness. But the Bible would say that that's not true. 
that the world can't fill those empty times and those, those voids that come by way of difficulty. Psalm 1 and verse 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. And the word blessed is, is described in, in a variety of different ways in a good Bible dictionary. One of the definitions of the word blessed is this, happy. In other words, the Bible is saying that real happiness is not found apart from God. Real happiness is found in a life that, that walks with God and spends time with God. Hurting begins when we depart from a close walk with God. We see the sequence of, of hurting. But I want you to notice with me also here the significance of honesty. Let's look in verse 21. The Bible says this. A voice was heard upon the high places, weeping and supplications of the children of Israel, for they have perverted their way, and they have forgotten the Lord their God. The Bible speaks here of a voice that was heard upon the high places. And I want you to remember that these were the people that backslid, they walked away from God, and when you walk away from God, there's only one place to go. It's a life of idolatry. Now, we may maybe make it look a little different in our day. Maybe we make an idol of ourselves. It's all about us, or maybe it's about a career, or sometimes it's something as simple as a car or a relationship. It's anything that's beyond our love and dedication to God. So the Bible says these people walked away from God. They walked into a different kind of idolatry. It was an idolatry that they would participate in in the high places around their homes and on the hills around their communities and in the mountains around their nation. And they would go to these areas and they would establish things the Bible calls groves. Sometimes they're referred to as trees. They would get these objects in these high places and make idols of them. They say they were very similar to what we would call totem poles. And they'd establish these areas in the high places where they could go. And the Bible says that a voice was heard on the high places, a place of idolatry, a place where idols would exist. And that voice was weeping and it was supplicating or praying. It was a voice that was saying essentially this, God, here I am right in this mess in my life that I've created because I walked away from you. And God, I need you your help. Friends, if we're not going to be honest with our situation, acknowledging that there is a problem and acknowledging that God is the solution, we're never going to know what it is to have God work in our lives to bring the healing that we need. There's got to come a point in all of our lives where we'll go to the proverbial high places with a heart that is broken and, and a heart that is honest and say, God, listen, there's a mess here. And, and maybe today you'd say, I didn't bring this mess into my life. Someone else did. Or maybe you'd say, I certainly did bring this mess into my life. But we've got to come to the place where we will say, God, I need you. King David, he knew a lot about being honest with God. He said in Psalm 22, verse 6, I want you to hear this. He said, but I am a worm. How do you like that? He said, I'm a worm, not a man. He said, I'm a reproach of men and despised of the people. Now, the credentialed of our day would say, well, David, he was suffering from a low self-esteem. And God would say, no, 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 David, he was right on the money. Because in relationship to God, we all fall short. We're all imperfect. We're all sinners. And the word sin essentially means to miss the mark. We've missed the mark. And so David comes to God and says, God, in relationship to you, man, I'm just a worm. I'm nothing. I'm a failure. 
And God says, well, you've come to the right place then. When we're honest with God, we can begin to know what it is that He wants to do in our lives. We all have it in us to play games when it comes to the, 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 this matter of, of needing healing. And the game we play is called the blame game. Let me tell you something. There's an old proverb that says this. He who looks for fault will find nothing else. Now, maybe you're hurting today, and I, and I want you to hear me, because all pain in our lives and in this world is a result of sin. Now, you're, you're saying, all right, Pastor, I, I've got some pain in my life. It's not my fault. Sometimes it's the sin of others. You know, sometimes people do things against us. They betray us. They hurt us. And that pain comes. Uh, sometimes, I'll be honest with you, I can say uh, I've got times like this in my life where the pain that I'm experiencing, it's my own dumb fault because I did something bad. But, but anyway, you slice it, it's all because of sin. And what most of us do when we start hurting, we play the blame game. We want to find fault. We want to point out who brought this difficulty. The problem with the blame game that we all play from time to time is this. You never win. You never win at the blame game. Now, you might succeed at placing guilt on somebody else, but that's not going to change the way you feel on the inside. You say, well, I was offended. I was betrayed. I can't believe that person did that. They should have known better. All of that may be true, but while you're spewing out this angst and bitterness and hatred and wrath and malice... Do you feel any better on the inside? I'm, I'm not trying to be unkind today. I know there are people in our church. I speak with them regularly. I spent two and a half hours yesterday dealing with, with something that I'm thinking about right now. Of people that have been hurt and they've been betrayed and they've been abused and they've been offended. And everybody wants to know whose fault is this as though that will bring some peace or some comfort. And I'm saying today that when we're hurting, we need to be honest with God and go to God and say, God, I know that pain can only come by way of breaking your commands your loss and and God that means that all this is a spiritual matter and I want to come to you as my God and say God I need you to work in my life if we're just looking for fault that's all we're going to find I hear heard a story of a, uh, some guys in college they were playing with their friend they put some Limburger cheese on his upper lip when he was sleeping and he woke up and said man it stinks in here he walked out into the hallways. Man, this hallway stinks. And he walked outside and he said man the, the whole world stinks and that's how a lot of people go through life They've been hurt, and they're hurting, and hurting people hurt people, and, and they go through all of the world, and they're saying, my pain is everybody's problem, and I want you to know today, let me liberate you from that. Nobody is capable of making you stay in pain on the inside if you don't let them. Nobody. Now again, I've, I've really thought about what I'm saying today. I've even taken the time to write it all out. I'm not being tried. I'm not being overly simplistic. I'm saying we've got to come to the point where we're just going to be honest before God and say, God, the problem that I'm dealing with here, the pain that is brought to my life, the hurting that is there, it needs a healing that only you can bring. That's what I need. And, and we'll never be removed from where we are until we have that heart. See the significance of honesty. We find also the sign of healing. Look at verse 22. Return ye backsliding children, and I will heal your backslidings. Be behold, we come unto thee, for thou art the Lord our God. 
I love the way you, this ties in with the end of verse 21. What does the Bible say there? They've forgotten their Lord. They've forgotten. And so today I'm hoping to be a voice from the Lord, as Jeremiah was in his day, who can say, in the midst of the things through which we'll go, don't forget God. Don't run from God. So I'm hurting, I, I, I'm angry, I, maybe I'm dealing with bitterness. I'm saying today, don't run from God. There's no healing in that direction. It only gets worse. Don't be that angry person. Don't be that bitter person who's just consumed and, and mad all of the time. Don't forget the Lord in all of this. Run to Him, not from Him. And so we go from that thought into the very first word of verse 22. And What does the Bible say? Return. I love that word, Return. It kind of gives you the idea that we're welcomed back if we've drifted away. Return. I'll tell you what that is. It's an invitation from God to all of us today. Come back. Welcome home. Return. It's wonderful. In the New Testament, there's a gospel. We call it Luke. And in Luke's gospel, in the 15th chapter, there's a whole series of stories that are used to identify the love of God. And one of the stories that is told there is a story we call the prodigal son. Maybe you've heard of it. It's about a boy that gets a little full of himself, and he goes to his dad and says, I'm sick of all this business around here. I want my share of uh, your, the inheritance that I'll eventually get. I'm out of here. And, and he leaves, and his life just totally falls apart. And he gets to thinking, man alive, if I, if I would just return, he finally talks himself into it. He goes home. And the Bible tells a story of a father that's ready to receive that son. I, I've often said we shouldn't call that story the story of the prodigal son. We should call it the story of the loving father. God the father is the hero in it all. And the Bible says in Luke 15, 20 about this situation that this, this son arose and came to his father but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. And I want you to know his father could not have seen him if he were not looking for him. And the father had compassion on him and ran to him and fell on his neck and kissed him. What a great thought that is. That this boy who had backslid, he'd fallen away, he drifted away, he, he invited the pain into his life that was there, and, and he said, you know what I need to do is get back close to the father. And he was wondering, how's dad going to be about all of this? And he found a dad that was there, welcoming him, looking for him, loving him, compassionate towards him. The word return is the same idea we find in another Bible word. That word is repent. It means to have a change of mind that leads to a change of direction. And one of the signs of healing in, in the life of a, of a child of God is when their life begins to change. Years ago, there was a very young husband and wife attending our church. We were in the community center on Harding in Carlsbad at that time. And I remember Jason had just been saved and... He's been gone for many years now, but he, he uh, confided in me that he was struggling with some things. And he said, you know, I'm a Christian. I don't want to do these things, but I, I'm, I'm struggling with these things. And uh, I said, well, well, tell me about it, you know, when, with who, and all that kind of stuff. And, and it was his buddies, you know. And I said, you know, Jason, I, I'll, I'll get together with you. We'll talk about this. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to let all them know that you're a Christian now and that you want your life to be changing. Let them know you're a Christian. And uh, part of that was I had to figure out what, what else could I tell him, you know. 
I saw him a short time later and uh, asked him, how's it going? He said, you know, I told them all that I was a Christian now and I can't get them to come around me anymore. He said, uh, I, I never would have imagined that, that I could walk away from those friendships, but it's, it's, it's interesting. When I told them I was a Christian, they walked from me. Isn't that funny? And I thought, yeah, that's hilarious, you know, really hilarious. What is that? That was evidence of someone who was trying to make a step towards the Lord. The life began to look a little different. The change was coming. Sometimes we return and we'll find comfort because that's exactly what we need. Oh, listen, you're here today and your heart's hurting. It, it's nothing that, that you did necessarily, but, but some difficulty came your way. And when you, when you return to God, you'll find comfort. Sometimes we return to God and we find correction. Maybe a little verbal Reproval. He'll let us know, what did you do this for? And, and then other times we return to God and we find chastisement. And that's kind of a spiritual word that we might identify with this way. If the correction is kind of verbal, chastisement would be like maybe like a spanking. Okay, Do you remember those spankings? A few of you? Two, three, four. My parents, they remembered those well and often, and uh, I remembered those as well. Uh, I, I found out that that's in the Bible, and if it's done the right way, it's, it's actually a very, very effective parenting tool that God has given us. All needs to be done the right way, but, but God says as our Heavenly Father, there are times when what we need is a big hug, and there are other times we need a good talking to, and there are other times we need to learn a lesson, and that's nothing to be feared. Because the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews 12, 6, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. What is the Bible saying? Look, you're not a good parent if you don't discipline your children. Don't give me that garbage. So I read in Dr. Spock once. What does he know? I mean, the guy's been on Star Trek. What does he know about kids, you know? He's the same guy, isn't it? God knows a whole lot more about this than we do. I'm such a loving parent, I just never discipline my children. You're a terrible parent. Terrible. You're raising a little brat who thinks the world revolves around him, and frankly, that's the mindset that's wrong with everything today. Now, if you're a parent that loves to discipline your child, you're weird too. Come on, steal those cookies, you know? Can't wait. This is going to be great. No, that's just weird too. Dad used to say, this hurts me more than it hurts you. And I thought, you're a liar, you know. <laughs> but honestly, when you're a parent and you're correcting your children, it breaks your heart if you're doing it right. God says, I think too much of my children to just let you wander all over the map of life, missing the point, the purpose of it all, without doing what I can to bring you back where you need to be. That's how the Lord works. We see the sign of his healing. J. Vernon McGee, great preacher, he's in heaven now. He used to tell a story of getting spankings as a child. And uh, he said, I discovered that after every swat, I'd get closer to my dad. And he said his theory was that was less momentum for his dad's arm to get while giving the spanking, you know. And uh, listen, if, if, if you need that comfort from God today, there's no better place to get it than right up close to him. If you need that correction from God, you, you might as well just step as close to God as you can. If you need that chastisement, don't run from Him. Draw close to Him. Oh, listen, He's a great God. He knows what He's doing. He's a good Father. 
We see the sign of healing. And then today we're going to see, last, the source of hope. Let's look at verse 23. Truly in vain is salvation hoped for from the hills. Truly in vain is salvation hoped for from the hills. Now, salvation, what, what kind of salvation were they looking for? Well, the Assyrians had conquered the north, and since that time, the Babylonians conquered the Assyrians. Then the Egyptians rose up. They wanted to get in on it all, and, and the Babylonians defeated the Egyptians, okay? So they kind of had a little resurgence. We learn all this in history, right? And uh, so what happens? The Babylonians are in charge. And the Babylonians are threatening to take over now Judah. The only left uh, uh, nation of, of Jewish people living now. We know uh, the northern kingdom had been conquered. And so now the southern kingdom is getting ready to be conquered. They wanted to be saved from the predicament. They wanted to be saved from the difficulty. And so uh, they're, they're thinking about this. And the Bible makes the point that it's in vain to try and find salvation from the hills or from the multitude of mountains. Now, what's that all about? we got to go back and remember, idolatry, this was something that took place in the hills and on the mountains. Let me tell you what's happening here. The, the Bible speaks of the multitude of mountains. This, this was a voice testifying that it would be an absolute waste of time to look for the help we need in life or the healing we need in life from another system other than the Lord. It would be in vain to try to find salvation from anybody other than the Lord. The multitude of mountains refer to every other system in the world. They all are empty. They all are vain. They, they bring us to the place of, of really missing the point of it all. So when we think of the source of hope, may we think of God. I left the office the other day. I was in a hurry. And uh, got my truck started to pull out. Oh, I forgot my phone. Backed up real quick, ran in the office. And uh, I remember Jen was uh, uh, there, and she kind of looked at me like, you know, what are you doing? You just left, and, and uh, I can't find my phone. And uh, to make a long story short, apparently when I wasn't looking, someone hid my phone in my pocket. Okay? I don't know what was wrong with me that day. I've always got something wrong with me, you know, but I, I don't know what happened. I was just in a hurry. I got in my car and I got thinking, where's my phone? So I'm looking all around my office. I could have looked forever with the help of as many people as would have been willing to help me. I never would have found my phone. It was with me all the time. That is how so many people live the Christian life. We've got the Lord with us, yet we're running around all the time going, oh man, I need some help. I, I'm hurting on the inside. I've got this problem going through this trial. And if I could just find something, well, well can you help me? And, and I'll look over here and we run all around and we're, we're missing the point that God says, I'm right here with you. Turn to me. Draw close to me. That's how he works. There's no hope to be found in this world you know what this world wants to talk to you about when you're hurting, really hurting? They want to say, are you getting by? They want to say, are you hanging in there? Are you coping? God doesn't talk to his children about just getting by and I'm hanging in there. I'm coping. No, God talks about being overcomers and victorious and champions and and God wants to do a work of healing in our lives that will bring us right back to the place we need to be. In fact, the Bible speaks of being restored. And the, the definition is, is to put a bone that's been out of place back into place. God wants to work in our lives. But the source of that hope is, is Him. Now, I want you to know that with God, we have hope. 
God, we have hope. I'm not talking about an I hope so. I'm talking about an abiding confidence that when the storms of adversity blow, we can stand strong. Now, I don't know what you're going through today. I, I, I know people who've lost loved ones this week. I know people who've lost multiple loved ones. I know people that have got the negative report from the doctor. I'm saying to all of us today, our hope is in the Lord. It's in the Lord. You know, the Bible in Psalm 31, 24 says, Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. God can heal hurts. In fact, in Psalm 147, 3, he said, He healeth the broken in heart. Bindeth up their wounds. He can heal our hearts. You see, God not only can heal, God will heal your hurts and mine when we come to Him. Let me tell you the rest of this story. The prophet said, you're hurting, and it's fixing to get a whole lot worse. If you'll just turn to God, He'll heal it all. Intellectually, the nation of Judah understood that, but they did not turn to God, and so they didn't get the healing of God. And the Babylonians came in and thumped them royally and took them captive. In the next 70 years in the nation's history, they were captives in Babylon. They had 70 years. You know, go to your room and think about what you've done. It was like, go to Babylon and spend the next 70 years thinking about this. In other words, we could stand up here today and feel good about being in church and we could all understand intellectually, yeah, that's right, God, He's good and He's there and He's hopeful. We're hopeful in Him. But if we don't apply any of this stuff, it doesn't do any good. We'd have been better off doing any number of different things today. I understand I'm talking to real people today who have real hurts. And I'm saying that God indeed is our sufficiency and our provider and our deliverer and, and he's our healer. The closing verse of our text said, truly in vain is salvation hoped for from the hills. But it concludes this way, truly in the Lord our God is the salvation of Israel. That was a specific salvation to be saved from that situation they were in. But the Bible does speak of a salvation that all of us need, regardless of what moment in world history we've lived or what nation we're from. It's spiritual salvation where we're saved from the penalty of our sin, saved to a relationship with God that lasts forever. And the Bible says we would uh, be vain in the extreme to try to find salvation anywhere other than the Lord. You see, eternal spiritual salvation, it's not found in church membership, it's not found in giving an offering. It's not found in baptismal waters. It's not found in the Lord's Supper. It's not found in good works. It's found through faith in Christ. That's it. It would be vain to look for salvation any other place. You know what God says today? He says, listen, I really do care, and I really do want to work in your life. And for those that aren't sure that you have that relationship established with God, he'd say, and it all begins by establishing a relationship with me talked to someone yesterday. I said, do you know for sure if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven? Yeah, I'd go to heaven. That's wonderful. How do you know? Hmm. I just believe. Has there been a time in your life when you accepted Christ? No, I, 
Maybe I don't know. Maybe it'd be good to do that. For that person, it was the best day of their life. The Bible says being saved spiritually is like being born again. That's a point-in-time transaction. He used the analogy of human birth. You all were born at a point in time. You don't just say, well, I feel born. No, yeah, it happened. And spiritually, it's a birth, a point in time where we receive his free gift of eternal life. And we receive it as we express that faith in him and him alone for the provision of it. And God says it's a beautiful thing. Turn to me, he says. Our Father, thank you for this time of study. Lord, in many ways, this was a difficult uh, message to teach. I think it is so counterintuitive for us to not try to lay blame and, and all the rest. I pray that you allow these truths to help. Work in hearts. Work in homes. I pray that people today would be saved. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Maybe you're here today and say, you know, Pastor, as you shared this message, there was something in there that I think could help me. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, I'm, I'm experiencing a little pain right now. And it really isn't important to me if, if that pain is the result of a poor decision you've made or a decision, a poor decision someone else has made that brought pain your way. But, but maybe you'd say, Pastor, the thought of a healing work of God in my life, that's a comforting thought. There was something of value in this message for me today. Are there those who'd be willing to lift up a hand real quick and say, Pastor, there's something in there for me today? That's wonderful. Thank you. You may put your hands down. Just about everybody. Look, stop running from God. Run to Him. Don't slide backwards. Move forwards. Now, maybe you're here today and... As I closed, we, we talked about the, the value of knowing for certainty that we have an eternal relationship with God. Salvation from sin, salvation to eternity in heaven with Him. And if the question were asked, do you know? And if the question were followed up with, the, well, how do you know? Friends, I hope there's something a little more concrete to nail down our eternal security to than just a feeling or some kind of an experience. It's a little more tangible than that. It's a spiritual birth. Please hear me. And I, Look, I'm not going to point anybody out and embarrass anybody. I've never done that. But maybe you're here today and you say, you know, Pastor, when you put it in those terms, I'm not sure. I'm not certain. I don't know. I believe in God and... Here I am in church, and, and uh, I've read the Bible, I have prayed, but, but maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, you know something? I'm just not sure that that point in time transaction, that spiritual birth is taking place in my life. Are there are those today willing in the privacy of this moment just to shoot a hand up real quick and say, Pastor, that's really what I'm thinking today. I'm just not sure if I died today that that relationship's established with God. I'm not certain of it. Thank you. Are there others today? Pastor, pray with me. I'm not sure. I'd, I'd like to be. Thank you. Thank you, sir. This is nothing to mess around with. The odds of life as we know it now ending, it's pretty much 100%. It's really good that we think about our standing before God.
Maybe there are other decisions that need to be made. You've been saved and not yet scripturally baptized or perhaps the Lord is prompting you to unite with the Coastline family by way of membership. I wouldn't presume to know what anyone should do in those areas, but I believe the Lord would impress upon our hearts. And as we close today, we're going to have a time we call an invitation. We're, we're going to sing a song called Try My Heart, Lord. And, and as, as uh, Steve in a moment leads us in that, if you know the word, sing along. But if there's a spiritual need in your life, Man, this is not a spectator thing. We, we need to make sure we're, we're pursuing what we think the Lord would have us to do. We're going to have counselors available in the front, guys and ladies, and they'll have their Bibles. And maybe you just want to spend some time in private prayer today. If you'd like to do that at the front, you may. Or if you want someone to pray with you, as I said, these counselors are available. Or maybe there's a question or, or you, just, uh, you, you need to make some type of a spiritual decision or gain some insight. Th- this is the time to do it. It's not mandatory. It's not required. It's an invitation. The opportunity is available. Would you be so kind as to join me in standing at this time, please? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. And music's beginning to play. And uh, Steve's going to come and lead us in this song. If you know the words, sing along. But maybe today's a day where you can make sure of some things. Make sure of your spiritual salvation or say, Lord, I'm hurting. Please do that work of healing in my life. I turn to you. As the singing begins today, you come.